We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Troche. Keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. As we heard last yesterday in our all-hands meeting, the Sporting News account doing very well on Twitter lately, so that's good to see. Uh, those guys do a really good job in our social department. Um, it's Heisman week, Bill. We're all taught we're Heisman. We're, we're all about the Heisman. You're breaking down the Heisman. I'm looking back at the Heisman. Uh, are you excited to uh, see what happens on Saturday night? No, it's it's the coolest award. I mean, I don't know. You know, the hour-long show is a, a bit long. Coolest trophy. Long. Coolest yeah, it's trophy the coolest in trophy in sports. There's no other <laughs> trophy that's better. And maybe not like the Stanley cup and like those are championship trophies, but as far as an individual award, nothing is more synonymous with the sport than college football. I mean, I would, I think more people know what the Heisman looks like as opposed to the CFP championship trophy. And you get the, to live in the Heisman house. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't, I mean, I voted Monday. We're not allowed the, the Heisman's really strict on not, revealing your vote until after the vote is out. And, but I, I do think it's not a real big secret that Jaden Daniels is the betting favorite. And, and we talked about that in our meetings this week and with good reason, you look at his numbers. This is one where when people say it's, well, it's just a statistical award. Jaden Daniels statistics are pretty good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we break them down, I want to do the Trochi trivia. Then we'll get into you talking about the four guys that are invited to New York. Uh, this is a, um, a question that, that falls into... Uh, into your story on breaking down the four Heisman finalists at SportingNews.com and my story that I wrote uh, on Charlie Ward, a 30th anniversary of him winning the, the award for Florida State. Can you name the last Heisman Trophy winner who did not take a snap in the NFL? Think about that. That's the Trochi trivia question, and we will revisit it at the end of the show. Uh, now let's get into breaking down the four guys going to New York. Of course, Jaden Daniels, quarterback, LSU, uh, Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon, Michael Penix, quarterback, Washington, Marvin Harrison, Jr., wide receiver at Ohio State. I cut you off. You started talking about Daniels. Give me the case for Jaden Daniels. He's the betting favorite. He's the expected winner. Uh, and you're right. His numbers are just off the charts. I mean, he averaged 412 yards of offense a game. It's very <laughs> Lamar Jackson-like. In turn, this is a Lamar Jackson type Heisman. He uh, was amazing in total yards. And, and not just that, the one stat that stuck out with me on throws of 20 yards or more, 22 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's by far the best numbers of any quarterback in the country. Um, you know, downside is obvious. They lost three games. They lost the games against Florida State, against Ole Miss and Alabama. Now, in those games, he played very well. Uh, so it's not like it was his fault that LSU allowed 47 points in those games, but, uh, yeah, I think that's something to keep in mind that you can't necessarily blame, uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU's defensive woes. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't strike you as an NFL passing quarterback necessarily, but his running was just elite at the college level. I mean, he, I don't know if he would be able to do that and withstand the punishment in the, in the NFL. He's kind of a skinny guy anyway. But his, his speed, when he would get downfield, like him turning those eight-yard scrambles into 35, 40-yard scrambles was just, to me, that's what that's what the separator was for, between the three quarterbacks was his running ability. Yeah, and, you know, that's part of its statistical award. I have mixed feelings about it. I, I think he obviously had a huge statistical season but there's a lack of a Heisman moment there's a lack of a Heisman moment they ran it up against Georgia State I don't know what his numbers were against Georgia State eight touchdowns yeah it was late in the year and they just were they were padding the Heisman stats so I mean yeah he's one that that lacks a Heisman moment and it, it it comes down to which one you wanted to vote for if you're voting for the best stats from the best player yeah Jaden Daniels is the guy you know the next guy Marvin Harrison is best player at his position, but the gap on that changed. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, you were like, "It's Marvin Harrison's the only receiver out there." Well, Roma Dunze is pretty good, and uh, you know Luther Burton was pretty good. Malik Neighbors was pretty good. I would actually submit that the Bolitnikov Award is more interesting to me than the Heisman. It is. You're right because but- it's closer. The guy that when you we talked about him a, a month or so into the season, uh, Brock Bowers, talk about the gap between the best at your position and the second best at your position. That that belongs to Brock Bowers now. It doesn't belong to Marvin Harrison. 
But I heard an interesting thing. Ari Wasserman, we had him on the pod. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, he does a great job over at the athletic recruiting and everything. And he made a comment that I thought was interesting. And you referenced it a little bit in your story, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Was that Ari said I was going to vote for Marvin Harrison if they beat Michigan? Mm-hmm. He said, and then he eventually he said Marvin didn't actually make my final ballot. And you mentioned the fact that his Heisman odds went down after losing to Michigan. He had five catches for 118 yards and a touchdown against a secondary that has two guys in All-American discussions. And they lost by six points to the number one team in the country. So, like, I don't know why you would leave him off your bet. How did he drop from one to four after that? He played great, is my point. And he played okay. And it, it's not just Ari. I think a lot of people just kind of – he fell off because they didn't win the game, but I'm like, he played great. Like, he played okay. He didn't take the game over, though. He did. Will Johnson took that game over. Will Johnson had the moment we're all talking about still up here when he ripped the interception away from Harrison on a, I mean, poor throw, poor throw, but yeah, bad throw. But I mean, like, yeah, Marvin Harrison played good. He made some catches, but he wasn't the best player on that field in that game. He may be the best player on that field in the NFL. In that game, he wasn't the best player on the field. It might have been Will Johnson. might have been Mike Sanders still. might have been Mason Graham. There were a lot of guys that Blake Corum had the defining touchdown. We had we'll – get, we'll get to Blake Corum next week about the argument we had about him yesterday. But um, who do you think will get drafted highest of the four guys going Marvin to New Harrison. York? Marvin Harrison. No question. I don't think the other three will start as rookies. Okay. I don't, I don't see No, it. I think you're right. Maybe Bo Nix. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't – I think all three of those guys are going to fall behind Caleb Williams and Drake May in the draft. Um, but, yeah, Harrison had good games against Michigan and Penn State. He had 280 receiving yards in those games. He's the best – one of the best at contested catches. Average 17.2 yards per catch the last two years. Should win the Bolitnikoff. But there are, like – when I talk to Jacob Hester – He's like, how, why would you even put him? How is he over Malik neighbors? Like he would just ask me like, you know, Malik has everything better than him numbers wise. And you watch Malik neighbors. It's not like he's not unstoppable either. So that's probably why I was honestly surprised. Marvin Harrison made it to New York. I thought they may slip Jalen Milrow or somebody you else. You did think Milrow would get there. Yeah, you did. I want to see where Milrow finishes. I bet he finishes fifth. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and then, so you brought up Bo Nix. Um, he's got the most interesting career arc, but again, he's not going to win because he lost to Washington. He lost to the other guy twice. His numbers are incredible. Led the nation in completion percentage was part of this Oregon offense. That was probably the most efficient offense in the country. Most balanced, uh, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions on throws between 10 and 20. That'll serve him well in the NFL. But again, you the, the Heisman does hinge a little bit on these big games and how you do on those. Yeah, we looked at before the Pac-12 championship, we looked at the you know the common opponents between Washington and Oregon. And Oregon handled all of the opponents better than Washington did. Bonix put up big numbers against those teams and but the head-to-head games against Washington Penix play better than him in both of them. And I think 
I think Washington, I think Oregon has a better defense than Washington does. So Penix did it against a more difficult defense and won both games, close games. Knicks played fine in both games, but Penix just played a little bit better when everything was on the line. Bo could blow out the other teams better than than Penix's Huskies did. Uh, but, you know, I think the most outstanding player has to come through in the biggest games. And I think Penix has the edge there on Knicks. Yeah, and, and Penix, obviously, huge season. After September, he was probably the runaway winner. He was. 400-yard uh, like game after 400-yard game. I I really you look like at the QBR and they were so good those first six weeks culminating in the Oregon game and the walk off touch almost a walk off touchdown and that was his Heisman moment and they stormed the field and everything so you're right he was a solid leader but he just tailed off just enough to open the door and then Daniels really took off I mean his argument is pretty easy too he's the one in the playoff he's the one that took his team to an unbeaten season he's the one that won a bunch of games against ranked teams. They beat USC and Caleb Williams. They beat uh, everybody on their schedule. They beat Oregon State on the road in the snow. They beat Oregon twice. And I still think they're getting undervalued in the playoff where we're kind of like they're probably the fourth most picked team to win the national championship out of the four teams in the playoff. So, yeah, Michael Penix had a great year. And uh, I want to see if it – if it pans out like I think it will, which is Jaden Daniels wins, Michael Penix f- finishes second, I want to see what that gap is. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some talks about, is this going to be one of the closest Heisman races ever? I doubt it. But I do want to see how close it is between those two and then what the gap is between the next two. I mean, it's I guess it's possible Marvin Harrison finishes third. But, you know, by the way, I, I did want to look. I looked this up just to make sure I remembered the last Ohio State or Michigan guy to win the Heisman and not win that game was Eddie George in 1995. So it is possible to lose against Michigan and still win the Heisman. But all anybody remembers from that game is Shimonga Biaka Batuka running 313 yards. <laughs> How many Ohio State Michigan fans are their uh, winners have there been since Eddie George? Uh, well, Eddie was 95, Charles Woodson 97, and then Troy Smith. So. Gotcha. Not a ton. Not a ton in my lifetime. I think those three and Desmond Howard, and that's it in my lifetime. Each team has two. Gotcha. But Ohio State is finalist U right now, by the yes. way. Yes. I mean, this is the fourth straight year they've had a finalist, I believe six out of the last eight years. Um, but I think, unfortunately for Marvin, like the rest of those guys, he's going to have to be maybe the first guy shaking their hand. It's interesting, too, what happens with the the West Coast vote, the Pac-12 vote kind of thing, because you got two West Coast guys in Knicks and Penix, where you only have one Big Ten guy in the mix. You only have one SEC guy in the mix. So I don't know how much the vote will be split. Milrow might get a little support here and there. Um, Big Ten, even have any anyone else really in the mix? Maybe Corum, you're pushing for Corum. Like Corum, I mean, if you want what the Heisman's all about, and a guy that leads the nation in touchdowns for the best team in touchdowns the country, are important baby. I mean, no, you know, 24 touchdowns on the best team in the country, and represents the team well. Um, yeah, Corum. Maybe the numbers weren't as good as last year, but coming off a leg injury, I mean, there. If it's, I'll just say it this way: if it's fourth and one. 
there isn't another running back I want the ball in their hands in the country than Blake Corm. Fourth and goal from the one. I'm giving him the ball. Um, another guy that represented his team very, very well and uh, still does, Charlie Ward. 30 years ago, uh, he won the Heisman in 1993. I got the opportunity to go down to Tallahassee and do a story that we published today. We're recording Thursday, December 7th. He, uh, It's the 30th anniversary of him winning the Heisman and then six months later being drafted in the first round of the NBA draft by the Knicks. And he went on to play 11 years uh, in the NBA. Uh, I wanted to kind of call attention to, uh, you know, the phenomenon that, of course, Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders with the football-baseball combination are legends and, and sports fans immediately remember them as two sport superstars charlie ward not as much uh and his feet you know especially in college you know it really hasn't been duplicated in terms of playing football and basketball at such a high level at the same time two physical sports two contact sports versus you know baseball is very different than football in terms of recovery and everything like that and and the the seasons are actually a little a little more spread out than they are with with football and basketball so I enjoyed researching the piece. I enjoyed going down to Tallahassee. I talked to a lot of people. Uh, he's still revered down there, like you would think. But they still sell his number seventeen jersey in the bookstore. Thirty years later, there's still fans wearing the jerseys outside the stadium and everything. So I, I got to talk to a few of his uh, former teammates and everything. And 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 I just, you know, it, it was a fun story to work on. It's at SportingNews.com right now. And uh, yeah, I don't know if he'll get any attention this week on the 30th anniversary of it, but uh, it, it was fun to put together. No, you did a nice job. You talked to, you know, some guys, 90s kids like me, remember, you know, Kez McCorvey, bar none, William Floyd. Um, and you're right, he did slip through the cracks. So, because when you do think, I mean, I, another guy that did was like Brian Jordan, played for the Falcons and the Braves. Um, this was a thing. When I was growing up, you could aspire to be a two sport star and Charlie Ward, you know, the one thing, and I, I guess you could maybe expand on this a little bit was he really didn't get a shot in the NFL at quarterback, which was wild because when he was on the college football field, I remember him being the best player on the field at all times. So, I mean, I know you talked to some people about that. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL part of it was, you know, he, he, first of all, the two previous Heisman winners, at quarterback were Ty Detmer and Gino Toretta, and they went in the seventh round and the ninth round. So it wasn't like you were an automatic first round pick, kind of like nowadays. It's very rare that the Heisman Trophy quarterback winner isn't, you know, considered a top NFL prospect. Uh, we'll see about Jaden Daniels. But um, so it wasn't unheard of that he wasn't going to be a first rounder. He was getting feedback that he was going to be mid to late round. The NFL is not like it is today. They did not like undersized mobile quarterbacks, and that's kind of what Charlie Ward was. Although he, he had a great arm and a good, you know, very good decision making. Florida State kind of put the offense in his hands. Uh, he would have been drafted if he did not play basketball, but he knew he was getting some feedback from NBA people that he was going to uh, possibly be an NBA prospect, and so he decided. Uh, after getting some feedback from the NFL, some feedback from the NBA. This is all while doing, going through the Heisman ceremony, getting ready for the national championship game. He had to decide if he was going to play basketball like a couple of weeks after the after the Orange Bowl. 
And uh, he decided he was going to uh, pursue basketball. He told the NFL folks that if I'm not a first round pick, I'm going to keep my options open and I'm going to uh, look at basketball. So he skipped the NFL combine and he knew that was going to hurt his chances. Felt like he was not going to, you know, the NFL teams felt he wasn't committed. He understood that. He accepted the consequences. He seemed to be at peace with it. Uh, played his basketball season. Then April roll, rolled around, and uh, he thought he might be drafted. There was a story later after the draft. After the draft, the Chiefs seriously considered him. They had Joe Montana, who was had maybe one year left. Maybe Charlie's a rookie, uh, and and sits behind Montana, gets a shot in year two. That was in the second round. The Chiefs decided not to do it. No one else pulled the trigger. Uh, he had a pretty good senior year. It only averaged like 10 points a game, but he set an all-time steals record at Florida State. He's a very defensive player, very good point guard, you know, old-fashioned point guard where you well, didn't you, have to score. Yeah, you, you could make the argument that the basketball team was just as good. They went to the Elite Eight. They had. They did years. as a junior. as it, All those yeah. guys kind of left. He was kind of on his own as a senior, and uh, they actually went 13 and 14 his senior year. They, they didn't make the NCAA tournament, yeah. but they, First three years he played basketball, they made the tournament. They were very good. Uh, they had just joined the ACC. They beat North Carolina. They beat Duke. And it was like, who is this team? Sam Cassell was on that team, of, you know, long NBA career. Doug Edwards, Bobby Sura, they were all first-round picks. And then Charlie ended up being a first-round pick. Uh, but, yeah, so he didn't get drafted in April. It went through some, you know, modified NBA combines, whatever those kind of were back back in the day. And then he was picked in the first round in June. So it is a question, you know, could he have played in the NFL? Probably. Um, but uh, he seemed to be at peace with his decision. And then obviously it worked out in an 11-year career. He was, he was only a starter for four of the 11 years. Uh, but one of those years that he was a starter for the Knicks, they made the NBA Finals in 1999. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea. Your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Yeah, he had, you know, and that's what I remember is the bas probably because I was into basketball a little bit more at the time in high school, and uh, um, those teams were cool. That that team with Bobby Sura and Sam Cassell and uh, Doug Edwards, they were cool. I mean, it was fun watching ACC basketball, and they played against a Kentucky team that was the Kentucky team at the time. So, uh, very cool story. But you know, I'd, I'd urge our listeners to go check it out. Um, like I said, one of those. You did a good job of, you know, highlighting one of those two sport athletes that and good guys like, you know, like I was talking about Corum yesterday that, it, yes, like good guys matter in the Heisman and all American teams. They should if they don't, they should. 
absolutely yeah, he, should. He is unbelievable. He's guys. Unbelievably humble, modest. He coaches a high school basketball team in Tallahassee right now. And, uh, you know, I met him at the school and it like, you know, he's just an ordinary guy. I was just coach Ward, coach Ward, this coach Ward, that he's got his office is, you know, nothing special or anything. And, uh, he, you, you can't find anybody that I watched a documentary on him done by ESPN. And then I talked to a bunch of people and like, it's like, you can't find somebody who doesn't mention his humility and his modesty at some point during the conversation. And he, you know, wasn't an attention seeker, understood the value of it and his platform and, and took advantage of it and felt like, you know, he need it was part of the, part of the celebrity, part of the job kind of thing. Didn't seek it out. And, uh, it served him well. It's, it's very funny because he's the opposite kind of in that respect of Deion Sanders, who was a two two sports star at Florida state just a few years before Charlie came on there. But, you know, Pat Kennedy, the the coach, basketball coach at the time, told me, he's like, you know, when you're around Florida State, it's Charlie Ward. He was the, he was the name, the legend, the guy. It wasn't Deion Sanders. It wasn't all these other great players that they had under Bobby Bowden. He's like, Charlie Ward is still the guy. And then after I went to Tallahassee, I, 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 can, I can vouch that, that Pat Kennedy was right. So cool. anyway, all right. So uh, let's talk about... Oh, the one thing I want this will lead into our conversation. So in the story, I don't know if people realize this or not, probably not, but uh, when he was a true freshman, he was going to redshirt on the football team and the punter got hurt and he, you know, he won the punting job as a, as a true freshman. So he had to burn a red shirt uh, to punt uh, during his true freshman year. And then he redshirted the next season and then went on to play. And I was thinking to myself, like, so that was back in the day where you basically had to do what the coach told you to do. He didn't want to punt. He didn't want to burn a red shirt for punting, but he did. And then we've kind of moved on to these high-profile quarterbacks. They never wanted to red shirt, right? Mm-hmm. And then they moved on to, I want to get to the league as soon as I can. And then they've gotten on to the point where we have sophomores who are on an 11 and one Ohio state team as a starting quarterback or are leaving. <laughs> right. So we're, it's a couple generations from Charlie Ward, but let's start there with Kyle McCord into the transfer portal. Were you surprised? Um, ye, no, yes and no. I mean, obviously they, they, I think I'm guessing Ryan day told them, told him either it's going to be an open competition or we may have, uh, you know, a plan to move on and they give him an opportunity to transfer because that came out of the blue. He's been linked to Nebraska since. I mean, that would be a good fit. I think Cobb Accord found out what I was telling you in the preseason. You know, when you go step into a job where the expectation has become four, like 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And a Heisman and, finalist. And a Heisman finalist. And you're not the guy that goes to New York. And then you lose to Michigan. You know, it's funny to me, like CJ Stroud with all he's doing in the NFL. I think a lot of it is because of all the criticism he took at Michigan or for losing to Michigan. And he took a ton. I was in that building last November and how pissed off he was at some of the threats that he was getting. Kyle McCord probably got it a little bit worse because he didn't have CJ Stroud's number numbers or CJ Stroud's opportunity to bounce back against Georgia. So these, the, a lot of people that are acting like they've loved CJ Stroud the whole time. Mm, I don't know about that, but uh, 
you know, and good was, for CJ. He's having a heck of a year for the Houston Texans. Was McCord the problem? That's well, why Ohio State wasn't just as good as they usually are on offense. Is it all maybe? On I mean, he's a first-time starter, so I mean, maybe. But like, Alabama didn't have a Heisman finalist. You know, he made it work with Jalen Milrow. There was people in September saying Jalen Milrow is horrible. I thought Kyle McCord. If they score on that Michigan drive at the end of the game, how much different is life? He's probably a hero, you know. Instead, now you got 20 Buckeyes in the portal. So makes sense that he's transferring in some level, and he'll probably turn up and start somewhere else. And uh, we'll see. But, you know, for Ohio State, I'm sure there's a plan, and there's another quarterback on this list we're going to talk about that could be part of that plan. Yeah, like uh, you slide down the top 25. It doesn't take long to get to another starter, 10-2, and two, uh, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. And he wants to to transfer. They finished the season ranked 12th. Uh, so you got, what, what was Ohio State? Seventh, sixth, seventh? I was um, more surprised by Dylan Gabriel. And then honestly. Dylan Gabriel, the number 12. Yeah, what's going on with that? He is, uh, he's been linked to Oregon. He wants to check out Oregon. I think he's going on a visit uh, up there, possibly to replace Bo Nix, who's going to move on. But um, yeah, why wouldn't he stay at Oklahoma? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, these are some of the puzzlers because if he ends up at Oregon, that would make sense. Linked to some other places. I know our Chrissy Freud uh, did some predictions for where some of these quarterbacks might land. She's doing an awesome job with our portal coverage at Sporting News, and I think she put Oregon for him. Um, He'd fit there because of his ability to run. But, you know, this is not going to go on a portal rant. I'm not. But, you know, when you're a fifth-year starter – some of it doesn't make sense. I mean, I talk to the casual fans that I know, my buddies and you know, parents at all these practices, and they're like, Well, how long has that quarterback played? You know, and it's and this is one of those instances. I mean, good for Dylan Gabriel, but yeah, that that was the most stunning one. Yeah. So Grayson McCall moves on from Coastal Carolina. He went into the transfer portal last year. I think he kind of went down to Auburn, checked it out, ended up going back to Coastal after. Uh, Jamie Chadwell left his coach left but he decided to come back played one year with the new coach now he's back in the portal he's got one more year of eligibility he is uh, visiting NC State uh, who's who's that sophomore quarterback what was his name who transferred not the other guy he decided he wanted to not burn his red shirt kind of quit on the team a little bit and he's going to transfer uh, so NC State's going to have an opening at QB. McCall might be a good fit there. Uh, do you think he he's a he's going to have the same success he's had at, if he gets to the Power Five level? Well, I've been waiting for him to go to the Power Five for like three years. So <laughs> I mean, hopefully he comes back from the injury and uh, has some success. He deserves that. another good guy. You did a big profile on him last year, so uh, we'll finally get to see it in the Power Five. It'd be interesting to see if NC State is that fit. Um, I think he'll do a nice job. Brock Vandergriff, Georgia backup, has committed to Kentucky. Uh, he, which makes you feel like Carson Beck is going to come back for another year. And you know, I remember Vandergriff. He, he was like the number one QB in star country. Yeah, when he, I was at Rivals, I remember he came to one of our camps. He was number one. He had just committed to Oklahoma, and then he decommitted on Christmas or around there, and then it obviously ended up at Georgia. Hasn't gotten on the field there. Had an opportunity to compete for the job in the spring. Obviously didn't win it. 
so now he is going to uh, head to Kentucky. And Kentucky's also been linked. Did you see the, uh, the Ohio State running back, uh, Chip? Uh, Chip Trainum? That makes sense because he's a Cincinnati kid. So that would uh, make sense if he ended up at Kentucky. So that that's an interesting one-two punch right there out of the portal for uh, Kentucky to keep an eye on. Dante Moore, what do you think happens with him? So he, I heard Bruce Feldman talking about him yesterday uh, from The Athletic. Bruce does a great job with all the quarterbacks and stuff. And he said he was he was not specific, and, and that's fine. But, you know, Dante has some family problems this year, whatever that means. Uh, going on in the background as he tried to win the job at UCLA. He got some time under uh, Chip Kelly, did not seize the job, ended up getting benched again. And uh, he, my guess is he moves back towards the Midwest. That's kind of be the the hint there. Uh, he was a five-star. Originally, Notre Dame was in on him, then Michigan, and then all of a sudden it was Oregon. And then he decommitted and ended up at UCLA. So he didn't win the job. I think Michigan's looking for a quarterback. Ohio State's looking for a quarterback. Uh, and then I do think I've seen him link to Oregon as well. So that that could hinge on the Dylan Gabriel piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's all free agency, Bill. Let's see what happens. So what, what do you think? What do you think about Dante? You think he'll be uh, back in the Big Ten? Michigan makes sense. Um, they've got Jaden Davis, Davis coming in too. So oh, yeah, from Charlotte. They could, they could have that competition. Um Oregon makes sense if he can stay out west. I I wouldn't I don't know anything about what's going on with his family, but if it was a move closer to home situation, Michigan, Michigan State would be in that conversation, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. uh and he'll play. He's talented there. He I is. just think developing some consistency will be for the key for him. Cam Ward, Washington State. Word on him is kind of he may go to the nfl he's kind of trying to use some leverage there to drive up maybe some nil prices uh i think ohio state is looking for him too uh, have you heard i mean you you talk to these guys all the time is is uh I, is, yeah, ohio, is cam ward a, a target for ohio state and have you heard any cam ward nfl talk too no i i got a text this morning from a decent source that you know the cam ward Ohio State stuff makes sense. So um, that, but it's, he was asking me, what do you think that asking price is with the NIL stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to speculate on that. But um, if that's part of the plan, Kim Moore would be a great fit in Columbus, you know, because he's done this the last two years at Washington State last year without any running game whatsoever. Playmaking skills are there veteran quarterback talked to him for a feature last year he's got a lot of uh you know leadership qualities about him he'd be a good fit here and he's played in a lot of big games but you know you give him the weapons that ohio state has i think he would have a lot of success um and he beat michigan that's all that matters well i know that i know that like yeah they can get excited about him all they want but I got a theory. Michigan's on like about to fall off a cliff, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that to a future pod. That's this this Ohio State Michigan problem. It's going to be solved very quickly for Ohio State. But that's yeah, they're not the one with twenty five guys in the portal. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's I'm not. No, I don't. You know, the, yeah, this Michigan team's really an all in kind of team, but I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think that their schedule is going to be really tough next year. But, um. Yeah, I don't I don't see it the same way. I think they're pretty I think they've even the playing field with Ohio State a little bit. 
Last guy I want to mention, Arch Manning. Arch Manning. So he's in an interesting spot, of course, at Texas. I think if Quinn Ewers goes to the NFL, Arch will stay. Arch will probably get the shot to uh, to start. I think Malik Murphy's already in the transfer portal, isn't he? Yes. So, so I think you get – yeah, Arch all, – all the Arch rumors are, like you said, they hinge on Quinn Ewers. They hinge on Quinn Ewers, and Ewers isn't going to make a decision until January. Mm-hmm because he's got potentially two more games. And if he lights it up in those two more games, and then he had a great big 12 championship game, maybe he does go to the NFL. Pete Thamel was saying he's leaning towards staying, which you would think. Now, Arch obviously doesn't have to transfer. He could sit another year and take the job when Ewers leaves next year and might get hurt, whatever. Uh, If he really loves Sark, he's, doesn't need the money. He can be patient. You know, he's still young. Uh, but if he does want to play Ohio State, it'll probably be somebody putting the full court press on him. But then you've got Cam Ward, who probably wants to make a decision before January. Right. So it's, a, it's an interesting situation with Arch. Yeah, I mean, and they, I suppose you could try to do some of that stuff behind the scenes, but it'll be a big story if he does transfer because Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, the the heavy hitters – would be in the market there. And then the NIL opportunities are through the roof, obviously with his family. I think there's the fact that traffic spiked just when he took a couple snaps late in a 50 point blowout, the, the fast he's the next college football superstar where whether he's good or not. Like it's, you know, we didn't have, and that kind of brings our podcast full circle in some ways is that these guys that won the Heisman this year, they weren't, these guys aren't superstars. They're not mega, you know, like the year that we had. Trevor Lawrence didn't win a Heisman. Like, and he was a superstar in college from the second he stepped foot on campus. You know, Adrian Peterson didn't win a Heisman. And he was a superstar. Jadavion Clowney, guys like that. We didn't have one of those this year. Arch Manning will be that. Whether he's not good, if he's terrible. He'll still be that because of his last name. So, um, and I don't think he'll be terrible. I think he'll be pretty good. I don't think he'll be Peyton Manning, but maybe he will. Who knows? Um, I, and I know there'll be a lot of excitement trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's just the timing of the whole thing is really weird. And we'll kind of find out. It's like that, co- you know, it's been talked about the college football calendar. Everything's condensed in December. And because of the calendar, weird things happen. Like Luke Fickle. I mean, uh, not Luke Fickle. Um, yeah, Luke Fickle probably would be the coach at Notre Dame mm-hmm. if the calendar was different, right? Well, but and they're going to have to redo with the calendar. And then Notre yeah. Dame didn't want to wait for him, and, but he was a logical guy. And then, you know, so this is another calendar situation where it's going to affect Arch and his decision and yours and, and, and the whole thing. So, um, so we'll keep an eye on that. All right, confidence contest update. It's over, Bill. Mm-hmm. I went two and three championship weekend. You went three and two, but my points uh, ended up being better than yours. Eight oh. to seven final score. I got, I think, what did I have? It's closer than last year. I had Michigan as my five pointer. That's the, basically the reason I, I, uh, I got the championship weekend. Uh, eight, seven, Trochi, 103, Bender, 94. That's two years in a row, Bill. It wasn't a fluke. I backed it up. This is like Michigan beating Ohio State two years in a row. They proved it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, 
Um, now we'll pick it up in the bowls, I guess. But I think you and I are on the same page. Predicting bowl, bowl is like bowl, crazy. It's going to be really hard. Um, <laughs> and we'll start doing that next week as we get into bowl games. So congratulations. Um, Thank, you. Thank you. Nick Musial won the underdog challenge as well. Um, yes, he did. My goal is to – I finished over 500 against the spread. Yes, you did. Picks, and I'm going to do – if I can do the same in the NFL, and that's getting harder because I had a bad week in the NFL last week. If I can finish over 500 in both, I'll have a, I'll be happy with that. So we'll see how it goes. I got five weeks of NFL picks left. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll pick the bull games next week and get to it and see if I can't catch up a little bit on that. <laughs> I do right. know your Trochi trivia question though. Trochi trivia: Who is the last Heisman winner not to play in the NFL? I think it's Jason White. You are correct. It is Jason White, Oklahoma, two thousand three. He led the Sooners to the BCS title game. They lost to LSU. They went 12-0 and at a dominant regular season, so dominant that when they lost the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State, they still made the two-team tournament. They didn't fall. Right. They only fell from one to two, uh, and so they made the BCS championship, and they got beat by LSU. But uh, Jason White had a great year, and then 2004 came back, had another great year, another productive year finished third in the Heisman, uh, wasn't able to repeat. We're still waiting for that that elusive repeat. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, he gets a bad rap, too, because he had a hell of a college career, but he's always lumped in as the guy that Larry Fitzgerald didn't win the Heisman over mm-hmm. because it's considered a Heisman miss. But Jason White, on his own, his merits as a college football quarterback, he was very good. So... That's one that, you know, you'll have some of those articles pop up this weekend, like the biggest Heisman misses of all time. Well, they still won the award. So Jason White won it and, uh, you know, had a really fantastic college career. It just didn't translate to the NFL. And part of that Charlie Ward story, you brought it up. It didn't dawn on me until you like tied that. That was an era where Detmer and Toretta and, you know, the Andre Wares and, and David Klingler was in the mix for a Heisman and they never had big, NFL careers. It's not right. like that now where you assume, and I think this year is kind of a throwback to that because like I said, I don't know that these guys may get drafted in the first round, but I don't know. Other than Jaden Daniels, because of the, the Lamar Jackson kind of comparisons, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure any of these guys are going to start right away. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's Caleb, it's Drake May, and then we'll see what happens after that. So, all right. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to the CFP Nation All-America Podcast, brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. We will be back next week. We'll talk some new hire report card. Uh, we only have one more opening still. I assume Duke will fill it fairly soon. Uh, we have nine new Power 5 coaches to talk about. I'm sure we'll have some more transport transfer portal news. Uh, perhaps Florida State was able to sue its way into the college football playoff. Bill, you think that might happen? You never, you never I, know. They're trying. They're trying everything they can to get in there, but uh, it, it might be too late. So, uh, anyway, enjoy Army Navy this weekend from Foxborough. Enjoy the Heisman ceremony. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.